0: Welcome to Bridge the Gap. This is Shirley Smith. Today, what I would like to do is talk about having a voice. In America, African Americans have had a hard time getting into places of influence. Not only just having a voice, but a voice of influence, meaning that you're leading or in leadership positions, or maybe you're in areas where you're actually coming up with strategy, planning, and policies. And so we will honor the Black Americans uh, who have participated in our government today, and so the other person that I would like to mention as well is one who has recently taken over a corporation that has assets of $1.1 trillion and about $40 billion in revenue in 2019. So stay tuned with me. I'm sure you will be happy to hear some of the information that we have today. We're not considering that Black History Month is just the month of February, but we are saying that African American history is American history. And so hopefully this history will be in all academic books. Stay tuned, I think you will enjoy this. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. This is Shirley Smith, and I am so happy that you have decided to listen again to a thought that I may have concerning government and concerning honoring those that are in government and leadership in our country. And we're talking specifically about this time, African Americans and uh, having a voice of influence within the United States of America and one of the reasons why I thought to do this is one is that for February we always look at February as Black History Month but I personally feel that we should celebrate Black history as American history because that is who we are. We are Americans and our history should go in all of our academic books so that we can all look at true history and not leave out history but actually have Uh, inclusive history for all Americans who are setting examples of greatness within our country. So one of the things I would like to highlight this time is just those who have risen into a level of government and uh, because government is a very influential place to be I think that is a place where the black voice really does need to be heard Uh, considering all the things that we have gone through in America within the last two years And it seems that whether it's COVID and uh, the number of African-Americans that are uh, dying with COVID, all the way to uh, looking at inequalities, uh, whether it's corporate America or whether it's government or whether it's just any job, really, uh, looking at a number of areas, uh, what I refer to as gaps in America. So one of the things we like to do here is talk about how can we bridge gaps in America. So one of the gaps that we have certainly had in America uh, deals with the African-American voice of influence being heard. I just finished reading the book Cast the Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wickerson and that is a book that I think everyone on earth should read but she talks about there that in America sometimes we do not honor the voice unless it's a white voice And so that's why I think it's very key for us to at least honor those who have finally gotten to positions of influence where their voice can be an influence in leadership, in policy making, in direction for uh, the country, uh, into looking into the issues that we need to look into, and even into things like disaster recovery because we didn't really have a voice in that. And I think that may be one of the reasons why we're having issues in uh, some of our health care policies as well as issues and things like uh, the COVID, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately uh, negatively affecting a larger portion of the African-American race, even though we are a small portion of the United States. So one of the things I want to do first of all is this, Let's honor some of our governmental officials. And so I will first talk about those who have driven, driven, or risen (laughs) to the highest levels within our government uh, with their voices of influence. So of course, we want to honor our Vice President uh, Kamala Harris, uh, who has just recently taken on that role. And uh, before her was President Barack Obama, so we honor him as our very first African-American president and also uh, as the number one voice of influence within the United States of America, and the United States being uh, one of the most powerful economic powers, uh, nations on the earth. And then also we would like to recognize uh, Colin Powell, who uh, served as Secretary of State in 2001 and beyond, And then on to Condoleezza Rice in 2005 as Secretary of State. The other voices I would like to honor would include those who have gotten into the president's cabinets uh, over the years. And so in 2017, we had Ben Carson as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, then in 1966, we had Robert C. Weaver. Uh, he was actually the very first African-American to be at a cabinet-level position, and he was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. So that's why I wanted to go ahead and mention him first, and I want to mention another first. So these are not in in calendar order, but uh, 1977, we had Patricia Robert Harris, which was the first African-American woman, to be Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. In 1979, she was also Secretary of Health and Human Services. So she had an opportunity to uh, be in two different uh, organizations at very high levels. Uh, And then also in 1981, we had Samuel Pierce, who was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. 1989, we had Louis Wade Sullivan, who was Secretary of Health and Human Services. And in 2013, we had Jet uh, Johnson, who was the Secretary of Homeland Security. 2016, we had John King Jr., who was Secretary of Education. 2015, we had Loretta Lynz, uh, who was Attorney General under uh, Barack Obama. And then in 2015, we had Loretta Lind, who was also Attorney General. And then we had in 2013 Anthony Fox who was Secretary of Transportation, Uh, this was also under Barack Obama. And then 2009, we had Eric Holder, who is Attorney General as well, under uh, Barack Obama. 2004, we had Alfonso Jackson as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. This was actually under George Bush. And then 2001, we had Rod Page, who was Secretary of Education, also under Bush. 1998, we had Togo D. West, Jr., the Secretary of Veterans Affairs under Bill Clinton. and 1970, I'm sorry, in 1997, we had Rodney Slater, who was Secretary of Transportation under Bill Clinton. 1997, we had Alex Herman, who is Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton as well. 1993, we had Alfonso Espy, and he was Secretary of Agriculture under Bill Clinton. 1993, we had Rudd Brown, Secretary of Commerce under Bill Clinton. And 1993, we had Hazel O'Leary, was Secretary of Energy under Bill Clinton. 1993, Jesse Brown, uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Uh, in 1975, we had William Thaddeus Coleman Jr., which was Secretary of Transportation under General Ford. Now, coming to this year with uh, President Biden, we have nominees here. First, we have a nominee for Marcia Fudge and uh, to, as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. I don't believe that one has been approved quite yet, but she has been, um, she's a nominee. Michael Reagan is also a nominee for the administration of the of Environmental Protection Agency. And then uh, Cecilia Rouse, uh, also would be Chair of Council of Economics. Uh, and so then we have Lloyd Austin, who has been approved as Secretary of Defense, and Linda Thomas Greenfield who has been approved as the United States Ambassador to the United Nations. So we would like to say we honor you as uh, influential voices and we are so thankful to God that uh, the Black Voice is having an opportunity to be in places of influence and the, the greater thing, I've noticed when I started looking at some of the background of the various ones, outstanding backgrounds, amazing education, outstanding services and experiences, and so it's not as though the black boys does not have the experience to be in these positions, it's just that they haven't always been allowed to be in these positions. So my hat is off to... Uh, The people who are in the cabinets and those who are being nominated to be a part of the cabinet. So hang in there. I'm going to go over next the senators, uh, black American senators who have had an opportunity to um, be a voice of influence. So what we want to do is uh, talk about how can we bridge the gap uh, in places where uh, African Americans' voice can actually influence, uh, whether it's policy or influence direction or influence uh, decisions that are very important to everyone in the country that are being made over our lives. And so the other key thing is not that we are just in the house, so to speak, not that we're just present, but that the voice is actually being heard. So we're participating and that voice is being respected and heard, just like all the other voices. And the reason I mentioned that is because we wonder sometimes, why is it so difficult for African-Americans to actually get into places of influence? And we, we now know, because there are so many books that are out there, where research has been done and we know that there is systemic issues within the United States, which has caused basically as Isabel Wickerson would say, a caste system, meaning that our voice may never be respected if we do not make some very uh, necessary changes. Uh, And and one of the reasons why we have this systemic issue of, of the voice not being respected is because even when we established the Declaration of Independence, there were about 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, but 41 of those 56 signers actually were slave owners. And so if you were to go back and do a little bit of reading about the actual thoughts of some of those with slaves, they actually... uh, said that they felt that the slaves were not intelligent, uh, they did not have the ability <laughs> to, to uh, you know, lead, uh, but they just had the ability to work. And so when we consider that some of our leaders in this country, over the history of this country, has actually talked about things like that, that, you know, African Americans are not, you know, thinkers and not intellectual and all of that. And we see that all of that is false, it's just not a true statement. The other issue is that we had 12 presidents, 12 of our former presidents also had slaves. And so what we have to consider is what really happened that it formed in our minds that African Americans were not people whose voice Could influence positively this country. So we're glad that we're discovering some of that with various books that are out. Uh, These books need to be in our academic places so that we can actually, uh, so that our children and our children's children and so forth from generation uh, thus on to the next generation, we need to be able to actually hear, read, and see (laughs) that we have been active when we were allowed to. And when we were allowed to, we made major contributions to this country. So now we would like to look at the senators. And the reason why I will actually call out the name of those who have been in the Senate, because if you can believe this, ever since 1869, we've only had 10 senators uh, in in this country, 10 African-American senators. So the very first um, uh, person in the Senate was from South Carolina. His name is Joseph Rainey. Uh, In 1873, he was in the House of Representatives. Uh, And so a lot of his work was hidden. His accomplishments were hidden. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Ku Klux Klan and others got together and basically just tried to run him and others out of their positions that they I had received in Congress, and so it's just now that a lot of his accomplishments are being recognized, and we're talking over a hundred years later, uh, his accomplishments just being recognized. The next person that is very interesting to me, because I guess I'm originally from Mississippi, is our very first African-American senator was Hiram Revels, and he's from Mississippi, and elected in 1869, started serving in 1870. Then we had Bruce Blanche, out also out of Mississippi, uh, and uh, he started serving in 1874. Now we had Edward Brooks uh, from Massachusetts uh, in 1967. And notice the the big difference in from 1800, so 1870 and 1874. And then the next time was 1967 that we had a senator. Uh, And so, and that was Edward Brooks out of Massachusetts. Then in 1993, we had Carol Mosley Brown uh, from Illinois. And then we had, in 2005, uh, Barack Obama. 2008, Roland Burris, uh, also from Illinois. Uh, and then in 2014, Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott is from South Carolina. 2013, William uh, McCall, Cohen. And uh, William is actually out of Massachusetts. 2013, Corey Booker, uh, out of D.C. Uh, well, representing, born in D.C., but representing New Jersey, actually.
1: Uh, and
0: then, of course, 2017, Kamala Harris in California. Uh, so we want to honor them, not again just because it's February, an African-American month of history, but because it's American history, and we hope that you have, who have children, that as they're doing their book reports uh, and history reports in school, that they will actually start to choose some of our African-Americans who may not be currently mentioned in our textbooks in academic uh, environments, and hopefully mention those in class and one day hopefully we will see all of these uh, all of this information in our academic books so i hope that this is helping you Uh, if you hold on next we will talk about uh, how many uh, african americans have participated in the house of representatives Another wonderful book that you can read in case you're a reader. It's called Womanist Ethics and the Cultural Production of Evil by Emily Townes. This is an outstanding book. It's actually written by a woman who graduated from Harvard. She's now at Vanderbilt University. So it's one of the books that it's sort of expensive, <laughs> but it is a really good book. One of the things that I really like that uh, facts that she came out with is this concerning Uh, the African-American experience. She says that uh, the United States historical community uh, made black experiences unknown uh, and they deliberately attempted to change the facts about our history. So, it's interesting she said that the reason why that happened is because accurate history can actually challenge the concept of supremacy. So uh, this is really interesting that one of the reasons why we have not included uh, all African-American history into our academic books and textbooks for our undergrad schools is because we did not want to uh, deliberately challenge the concept of supremacy. So now we'll go to our House of Representatives. I am not going to call off all the names because we have, since, uh, since 1869, we've had over a hundred uh, African-Americans within the House of Representatives in the United States. So what I will do is just say by state uh, about how many we have had uh, represented in each of those states and now keep in mind when I give you a number for instance the first state I will talk about is Alabama they, only, they have only they have not had any senators and they've only had six people in the House of Representatives now keep in mind we're talking about every since 1869 so we've only had six House of Representatives, African Americans in the House of Representatives, those voices have not been heard, just six people since 1869. And then also in the state of California, we have had uh, 12 uh, people in the House of Representatives, one in the Senate, and that happened to be Kamala Harris. And then in Colorado, we've only had one person. African-American person in the House of Representatives. Connecticut, we've had two people in the House of Representatives. Delaware, we've only had one. In D.C., we've had two people in the House of Representatives. And then in Florida, we've had 10 African-Americans in the House of Representatives. In Georgia, we've had 11 in the House of Representatives and only one Senator. Uh, and, um, And let's see, that one Senator Uh, actually is the one that we elected this year which is uh, Senator Warnock. And then in uh, Illinois we've had 16 people in the House of Representatives and of course you know one of the Senators that came from there happened to be Barack Obama and Jesse Jackson. Now we have in Indiana we have three people that have actually African Americans that have been voices in the House of Representatives And in Louisiana, we've had four in the House of Representatives. In Maryland, we've had six in the House of Representatives. And let's see, so pay attention to your state, then you'll know how you need to start voting. So in Massachusetts, we've had two in the Senate and one in the House. Uh, In Michigan, we've had eight in the House of Representatives. In Minnesota we've had two in the House of Representatives. In Mississippi, we've had two in the in the Senate and three in the House of Representatives. Uh, and then also in Missouri, we've had five in the House of Representatives. In Nevada we've only had one in the House of Representatives. In New Jersey, four African-Americans in the House of Representatives. In New York, we've had 14 in the House of Representatives. In North Carolina, we've had nine African Americans in the House of Representatives. And let's see what we have. Um, uh, In in Ohio, we've had four African Americans in the House of Representatives. Oklahoma, one in the House of Representatives. In Pennsylvania, we've had five African Americans in the House of Representatives. And in South Carolina, we've had ten. In Tennessee, we've had two. In Texas, we've had nine. And um, Utah, we have had two in the House of Representatives. In uh, Virgin Islands, we've had four in the House of Representatives. Virginia, three in the House of Representatives. Uh, The state of Washington, one in the House of Representatives. And Wisconsin, one in the House of Representatives. Now, uh, I think we need to honor Uh, the House of Representatives because we have had many more African-American voices of influence in the House of Representatives over the years than we have had in the Senate. So I do feel that we should be thankful to God that we were able to uh, actually get those voices heard and again the um, the skill set and the education levels are outstanding of all of these people. Uh, we have anywhere from Rhodes scholars to you know Harvard grads and law school, and you know just a number of them actually have completed law school. And if you look at the history of all House of Representatives and all senators, you will not find as all of uh, as such wonderful, I guess, features and characteristics and also education in some of the others as much as you see in the African-Americans. That's something that um, Isabel Wickerson brings out in CAST as well. She talks about uh, African-Americans typically having many more qualifications, but they're sometimes reporting into someone who does not have as many qualifications as they do. Maybe much more education, much more experience uh, than those who they report into. That is something that she's found to be uh, something that can be somewhat consistent within the United States, within our USA caste system. So the next thing I will share with you is a really goodie uh, of a wonderful Um, CEO who has taken charge of a company, a corporation, that's valued at $1.1 trillion. So hang in there. We will be back in a second. The Bridge the Gap session uh, is actually about the African American voice of influence being heard uh, one of the articles that I read this week uh, is from MarketWatch. MarketWatch is a company that actually shares information to investors so for those of you who are investors out there in stocks and so forth then I'm sure you're very much aware of who Market White is But they actually published an article that was uh, August 1st, uh, stated August 1st, 2020, and it's by Jack Myers. And Jack Myers' uh, title of this article that he has written is called Opinion, The Numbers Don't Lie, Diverse Workforces Make Businesses More Money. And so inside the article, he says, Racially diverse executive teams provide an advantage of 35% higher in earnings before interest and taxes, and 33% more long-term value creation. And for those of you who are interested in hearing more about uh, diversity, especially in executive level positions, that you'll find out that the, Harvard has done studies and others have done studies that actually does point to the fact that adding diversity and diverse voices of influence. So it's one thing to have a diverse team, but then not allowing those voices to be heard. But when you bring in uh, diverse voices, you have an opportunity according to Myers. It says, diverse companies are 70% more likely to capture new markets than organizations that do not actively recruit and support diverse talent. And so, uh, stats are actually proving that when we execute inclusion strategy, because inclusion now is a household word in every organization, whether it's government, whether it's uh, corporations, or what it may be, church. <laughs> it could be any number of things. Inclusion is that, that popular word that's being used. But one of the points that he's making, Myers is making here in this article, is that there is one thing to include diversity, people of all diverse backgrounds and cultures, but it's another thing to actually listen to the voice of those that are diverse with ba- various cultures and backgrounds, because when you do that, your company can attract more people in, that's being represented in your executive level team or your staff. So if your staff is uh, allowed to actually voice their opinion as to maybe direction or leadership or policy or whatever it may be, if you actually listen to those diverse voices, you will potentially increase the bottom line of your business. And in, with the government, of course, uh, listening to diverse voices will give us much more opportunity to grow and to be successful as a as a country. So, the reason why I brought that all up is because I would like to celebrate. Her name is Tashanda Brown Duckett and she has been named CEO of TIAA and TIAA stands for Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association of America. The other thing that's really exciting about this is that Tashanda is an African American woman she actually was CEO of Chase Consumer Banking, and so she's moving to uh, TIAA to take over as CEO there. And she's replacing, amazingly, an African-American CEO at TIAA, and that his name is Roger Ferguson. So, there are only about five African-Americans that are CEOs of Fortune 500 corporations. So that in itself, is, it's very rare to have an influential African-American voice leading a corporation uh, in the Fortune 500 range. And then on top of that, the reason why uh, Tashanda is so blessed is that the TIAA's company is actually a $1.1 trillion in assets and it did $40 billion in revenue in 2019. So we would like to salute her. We would like to salute the CEO, Ms. Duckett, uh, for a job well done with First Chase and now coming over to TIAA. We salute you. So it is coming to uh, pass here. That proof, there is now proof that African Americans can not only lead, but they can be most influential voice, and the companies can actually go quite well. And the bottom line, which everyone is looking for, is that revenue. So we're actually able to help with bringing the revenue in once we bridge the gap by allowing the voice of the African American to truly be heard and respected in our environments. I have a thought that you have learned something that maybe you did not know, but let's continue to bridge the gap by allowing the African American voice and other minority voices to be heard so that we can all be successful in whatever areas we may be actually Uh, working in. Have a good day. This has been Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. I think this is a very appropriate poem that I would love to share with you today. It's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. It was actually written as a poem by James Weldon Johnson uh, in 1900. Now, James Weldon was born in 1871, died in 1938. His brother ended up putting it to music, this song to music, or this poem to music in 1905. So it's now listed as the national uh, or the black national anthem in the United States. And I think it's so appropriate because we were talking about voice and um, having an opportunity to be in a position or in positions where you can use your voice to influence direction and greatness within our country. So, this is the way that uh, this poem goes, and I think it's uh, quite nice. I believe you will enjoy this. Lift every voice and sing, till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise, high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith That the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope That the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, Let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, Felt in the days when the hope unborn had died, Yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come, treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered, out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path, we pray, lest our feet stray from the places. Our God, where we met Thee lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. And this was by James Weldon Johnson, Lift Every Voice and Sing. So songs like this and poems like this one was the inspiration that kept African Americans living and continuing and struggling forth, knowing that God, and only God, was their provider, their sustainer, protector, and the one that would one day deliver them from all of the horrendous things that they had to deal with. And still today, God is still delivering us. I have a thought that you have been inspired by those who have given their voice and their intellect to our government and also to our Fortune 500 corporations. May God bless you and continue to direct your path.